You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. excited that you've joined us as we kick off this series entitled Hashtag Love. So let me give you a couple things up front. This is not all about marriage. It will highlight and emphasize marriage, but it is about love in general. And so it's uh, love, how we experience, how we receive it, how we use it, what it is in our lives, and uh, talking about this purpose of love and what it really means to experience and to know love because love is a catchy thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I think of it, and I've got the Love Boat theme song going on in my head right now. You know, the Love Boat. It's just, it's just, it's catchy. It's just, love is in the air. You know, it's just, it's that catchy thing. It's the season that's around, and for some people, they get bitten by love. Other people get poisoned by it. Some people, it opens up a world of, of great, uh, greater things, and other people, they should have just kept with their imaginations. And uh, the danger is not, According to what your expectations or your imaginations, the danger is when we get outside of what love really is. What is love? What is at the heart of what love is about? What does it mean to be in love? How do you fall in love? How do you fall out of love? How do you keep love going? How do you, how do you experience love when it feels like your feelings, you can't feel it at all? There's nothing around. How do you continue in such a, a concept, in such, not just a concept, but just something of life-changing proportion? At the heart of all that we are, we need love. You're, you're impacted and your life has is, is been who you are today because of the love that you've experienced. The love that you've experienced from people has impacted your life and caused you to make decisions that you've made today. Each and every one of us desire love. But we've got to be honest, it's one of those things that we desire it, but we don't fully comprehend it. Are you willing to admit that today, that I, I appreciate love, I love love, I want love, I desire love, I want to give love, but I really haven't completely comprehended what love really is. Because I think it's one of those things like heaven that when you think you know, you realize it's much more than you ever imagined. When you think you've loved, you realize there's another level to love more than you ever experienced before. When you think you've been, you think you've gone, you think you've accomplished, you think you've experienced, there's always something more. This morning we kick off this series that we titled it Hashtag Love. And uh, for those of you that are in the social world and you're part of the social media world, you understand hashtag. And so this makes sense to you. And those of us that aren't in the social media world and hear hashtag, we know everybody's hashtagging this, hashtagging that, hashtag new car, hashtag love my wife, hashtag great food, hashtag I don't know, whatever your hashtag, it's all over the place and what the whole purpose is. But do you know today... And let me, before I say that, just explain to those of us like me that this don't, I've not hashtagged anything. I'm like, is that legal? I mean, you're in trouble for doing something like that. I mean, you tag things in the city and it's graffiti and you're going to get busted. But you can you hashtag and the purpose, you put the, the symbol in front, you put the, the, the hashtag in front for the purpose of making it easier to search for topics, pictures, and everything related to this. There are things that you would see, you watch ESPN, and they're on the bottom. of. It was last night, I was watching, uh, uh, watching a basketball game, and while the basketball game was on, there was a hashtag for, for the, the basketball game, and you could join in the conversation, and it's all over the place, but it's to help connect things, thoughts, and, and ideas, and conversation. I was uh, a couple uh, months ago, a number of months ago, Jaron and I were in the car heading to school one morning, and just out of curiosity, I said to Jaron, I said, hey, pull out the phone and do a Google search on the most popular hashtag word in social media. I don't know that I was real surprised whenever he did the search, and I was just curious because everybody's hashtagging everything. What is the most popular hashtag word in social media? And it came up love. And when I saw that, it wasn't something I was too surprised in. It was this reality, and it came into my, my mind, and I thought, how is it, or isn't it interesting, that the most popular word hashtagged is the most misunderstood word in history. The most popular word that can be hashtagged on social media is one of the most misunderstood words in all of history that we understand or we think we understand what love is and our desire for it. We love movies. We love the cars. We love fashion. We love food. We love our kids. We love our spouse. We love God. We love, we love, we love. But the question is, do we? Do we really know what it means to love? Do we know what it is? 
Do we know what it really means? And we realize that a love for, our steak, a love for a steak dinner is not the same love as the love for our wife. And no man said amen. I totally set you guys up. That was your chance. The love that we have for a steak dinner doesn't compare to the love that we have for our wife. I should have bought you flowers. (laughs) That was your chance. Uh, This desire, we understand that love is used in many, many different ways, different areas. But there's a reality that we understand parts of love. And we sometimes get to the tip of the iceberg and sometimes parts of what it is. We, we begin to experience, but no one here has fully comprehended. You've been a great husband to your wife for those many years, and you still have room to become even better. You've been the best wife for those number of years or whatever it is you've, you've loved in, in, in relationships of, of community or maybe your neighbors and you've shared the love of Jesus and you've experienced, you've done well as a neighbor but there's still room to increase. You've loved as the body of Christ together. You love your brothers and sisters. We, we've, got a, uh, we, we've got one of these things that I, I think is so blessed, such a blessing for us, and that is this church, you, this body of believers, has a reputation for being welcoming. You have a reputation for being friendly. It's been a reputation that has been with this church long before I got here. There's such a reputation, and I say praise God, but here's the truth. There's still room for us to increase and develop and grow even more. There's room for this love to experience even more. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about what it is to really love. Because love, unfortunately, can sometimes be downsized to a moment, to an experience, a gift, flowers, candy, a holiday, a memory. But love is much more. Love is life-changing. It's life-developing. It's life-completing. And it's life-giving. And so during this series, we're going to look at the most popular word hashtagged but try and take away some of the misunderstandings that we have in this word that has been misunderstood throughout history. If you have your Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter 4 is where we're going to take a look, and we're going to look at two scriptures today, 1 John chapter 4, and then we're also going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. gentleman was sitting on his couch with his wife, and he was sitting there, and he moved in closer, he put his arm around his wife, and he took off her glasses, and He put his fingers through her hair and he said, honey, without those glasses, you look just as beautiful as you did on the day I met you, as young and beautiful on the day we met. And she said, well, without those glasses, you look better too. (laughs) First John chapter four, God help us to not just look better and better, but to love better and better. Teach us what love really is. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 4, here's what John says. But you belong to God. Understand he's making a distinction there. He puts that word but. But you belong to God. There's a distinction. We have the uh, part that was before. He was talking about those who are of the world. He says, but you're not of the world. You belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. This is where we, we hear that scripture. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And what is in the world is the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit that is in opposition to God. And how many know that there is a love in our world that opposes true love? We realize that today. There is a love, there is a love in our world that is in opposition to what true love and real love is all about. But John is making a distinction here. He says, but you do not belong to the world, you belong to God. Those people belong to this world because they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we belong to God and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Here he's making the distinction. He says, now we're going to, this is the way you find out. This is the litmus test to know if someone is, has a worldview or a God view. If they've got the truth, true perspective or a false perspective. And the way you know is how do they act. Because this word listen is not just the hearing word, not just to hear, but it's the word listen that is coupled with an action. It's not just to hear, but it's to respond. Anytime you listen, and we understand this as well, there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? 
You realize that. And this is what John, in this, this term or this word that he's using, is distinctive. He's saying the difference is those who listen and what you listen to and how you respond. One is deception, the other side is truth. Dear friends, let us continue. Think about that word for a moment. Continue. Continue. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of continue, because we can easily read over words that, that are in the Scripture, but we, sometimes it's good to stop and recognize and pull something from that. But this word continue, when he says that you should continue, his purpose that he's saying is to continue something that God started when he came into your life and began a process. You should continue what God started. You should continue... Listen, he doesn't say start loving one another. And I know you could read this to say, well, he was just applauding them to say they were loving and they should continue loving. No, what he was saying here is you need to continue in the love that Christ has for you and you need to continue. Why is that important? Because to continue from recognizes the source. You can't create something. You can only pass something that you've received. When it comes to real love is what, let me say it that way. When it comes to love, you can't create love because if all we're loving with, if we're loving the people in our lives with what we can create, we're not really loving them. If we're really going to love them, we have to love them with a love that is continued from what we received from Christ. We'll explain a little more about that. Maybe that'll make sense. Continue in the love that comes or the love that you have for one another, for love, and here's what he says, He's saying continue. Why? Because love comes from, it's in your Bible too. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Now here it is. You read this and this is the, the, the essence of our series for the next six weeks. This is real love. Now here's John, who's the writer of the scripture, spent time with Jesus, and he's about ready to make a statement. And if John comes along and John says, this is real love, I'm sure... Those of us that really had concern or care and recognized, we're like, John just said this is real love. I'm pulling out my pen and paper and I want to write down what he's about to say. This is real love. I want to recognize this. I want to capture what he says. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone came along, someone highly respectable, somebody that, would, that, you, that you felt had, had opportunity to speak into your life, and they stood up in front of you and they said, I want to tell you what real love is. Now, how many of you would be like me and you'd, you would begin to think, oh, I'm about to write down something I should do? Think about it. I want to tell you what real love is, and this is real love. And most of us would probably think, oh, we're about ready to get a task or something that would help us express love. Anybody following me? Would you think that way? That he's going to tell me what I need to do. But it's interesting. He doesn't tell us what we need to do. He says, this is real love. And real love is this. He follows it. He says, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Here's what he's prefacing or he's making a point. This is real love. And real love is not connected to your actions. Real love is connected to the source of where your love comes from. If you're not connected to the source of that love, then the actions of your love will not be real because if you're not connected to the source, what you produce will not be effective. Does that make sense this morning? So it's not about the love that you need to produce, it's the love that you need to receive. And so this morning, we wanna talk about un, uh, living or having love without restraint, what it is to love without restraint. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians, and I wanna pull another scripture here, and we're gonna tie these together and look at these, these, uh, this scripture together. 1 Corinthians chapter eight, starting with verse one. Now understand, this is Paul making a statement about people who would eat food belonging to idols. For those of us that maybe you're not familiar with this, you've not, you're not read the scriptures to understand this, there was a group in the, in the early church that they would not eat meat that was presented to idols. But there were other people in the church who were like, I, that's no big deal. We can eat the meat that they, that they give to idols. The difference was this, and Paul was saying, there's some in the, in a, the weaker brother they don't understand that. Paul is actually giving reason, saying, go ahead and eat the meat. Because they're not real idols anyway. They're not real gods. So what, what harm is there to eat something that was presented to something that's not even real? 
And by us saying, oh, we can't eat their meat is almost us saying their gods are real. Are you following that? So Paul's making a statement here. Paul's saying, don't make a big deal over whether or not to eat, their, eat, their, uh, eat the meat that's presented to idols because by doing so, you give more credibility or more credit to the idols that aren't real anyway. That's also kind of like us making issues out of things that aren't really an issue. We make, we make stuff out of the small stuff and forget to major on the, the stuff that really matters. And Paul's saying, hey, don't worry about that. But here's what Paul says. Paul says, even though you shouldn't worry about that, and even though it's okay to eat it, you still have to have wisdom. Because here's what Paul says. Now about food sacrifice to, here we are. Now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not know yet as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, yes, by knowledge you can eat the, the, uh, the sacrifice that's made to idols because they're not really God's. But if there is a weaker brother who comes along and that offends him or that, that, that discourages them or that hinders their walk, Paul says, don't operate in knowledge because knowledge puffs up. At that point, you should operate in love because love builds up. We are called to be people who don't just love out of knowledge, but who, love out of, who have a love that goes beyond our knowledge. That we love not because of what we can do or what is our justice or what is our rights or what is our privilege, but we love according to truth and we love to the better good of God's kingdom. Does that make sense this morning? I, I, wanna, some, I know some of us are going to try and make this circle here of what love, of how we really need to love and going to a next level of experiencing the love that God has for us. Because the love that God wants us to show to one another is a love that needs to go beyond our knowledge. If all we do, and here's, let me just put it this way. This is how we love. We love until we learn something or have knowledge of something we don't like. And then our love is affected because once we learn that, we don't love as much. There are a couple of you nodding your head, so I thank you for the affirmation. The rest of you are staring at me like, what are you talking about? That we love according to our knowledge, but the moment we learn something we don't like, our love is affected. But God wants us to love beyond our knowledge. Why? Because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We'll come back to that. We'll end with it. And I pray it'll all come together for you. And you'll walk out of here saying, I'm gonna love like I've never loved before. My wife's hoping that too for me, but anyway, that's a... <laughs> she loves what I preach on love. She said to me yesterday, she said, you're preaching on love, yeah? I said, yeah, I am. She said, good. <laughs> Maybe you'll learn something. <laughs> it's rough, it's rough. She didn't say that, by the way. Um couple things, let me give you some things of love. And from the scripture we read, number one, love identifies our purpose. Realizing what we love, love identifies our purpose. There is, um, there are some uh, uh, Inuit Indians who live in Alaska and different parts of cold climate. We call them Eskimos, but they're called Inuit. That's the name. They have a language called Yupik. It's not English, it's Yupik. And uh, I visited there. I heard a couple of them speak in Yupik, and, and uh, it was fun to listen. But I learned this, that they have 70 different terms to describe ice. There's 70 different ways to say ice. Now, that can be sometimes confusing. I, I, we, it would be absolutely confusing. But to think that they have 70 different ways to describe ice. You see, there's, there's one way, and it starts with a U, I'm not going to try and say it. But this is the word that they use for ice that describes ice that has been frozen time after time and for a long period. This is ice that is either year after year or, or for a long period of time that this ice has been frozen. It lasts year after year. There's another ice that they refer to and it's, it starts with an S. And the formation of this ice is the beginning stage of ice to start to freeze over the sea. And when it starts to freeze, it's the beginning stage and it begins the formation. They call it this word with an S. There's another word to describe ice and it starts with an A. It's up there. You can. This word, this word on the bottom is ice that has holes in it. Now, 
If you're planning to walk out on the ice or someone invites you to go out on the ice, it's pretty important to know which ice they're talking about. We're going to invite you to go ice fishing. You better make sure it's the ice that starts with an S and not the ice that starts with an A. I don't know how to speak Yupik, so you have to read it up there. There's an ice that has been for a long period of time. There's another ice that has holes in it. There's another kind of ice that is just beginning to thaw. And if you go ice fishing or you walk out on the wrong kind of ice, you put yourself in a dangerous spot. You better know what ice you're walking on. You see, in our world, we have one word to say love, or in our language, in our culture, we have one word of love that says we love steak, we love, we love cars, we love our family, we love these things, and we love, we love, we love, but we have a misconception of what that love is. Because just like ice, there's some love in our culture, there's some love in our culture that is at the thawing, at the freezing or thawing stage where it's in between. And it's, it's like some love in some people's lives where they fall in love and they fall out of love. Not to, not to ruin any of your romantic desires and thoughts, but there's no such thing as falling in love. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> there's no such thing as falling in love, which means there's no such thing as falling out of love. We'll talk about that later. That's garbage. The world made that up. That's their thawing and freezing stage of love. That's not real love. That's love that is, has a formation of start. There's another love that we have in our culture that's full of holes. It's got holes in it. There's, there's holes in just like the ice that, that you would fish on. It has holes all through it. And there's some people that are trying to experience love and finding love. They're lo- looking for substance. They're looking for acceptance, looking for truth. But unfortunately, they walk on ice that has holes and they're left empty. They're left vulnerable. They're left in danger. They're left without substance and not receiving what they thought they'd get. They stepped out onto ice that they shouldn't have been on. But then there's another ice and the love in our culture that has been standing for years. There's the ice that has always been, just like the Yupiks have a word to describe the ice, there is a love that has always been from every generation, and that is the love that causes us to experience our healthy homes. Not perfect homes, healthy homes. There's a difference between perfect homes and healthy homes. Your home is not perfect, so quit blaming your wife. Why is it that things aren't perfect and it's someone else's fault, right? So it's not the person's fault that it's not perfect. The question is, are we working together to make it healthy? Because as long as we're together, it's not going to be perfect. Only Christ in us can allow that to to accomplish and be worked in our lives. And so we have to allow God that love that comes from him. The important thing of our lives is recognizing, of course, love has a purpose. What love is it that you're pursuing in life? What you pursue becomes your purpose because when you love something you pursue that something and that something begins to just take you I remember when in high school my well she was just a girl in school but in ninth grade she told me she liked my shoes (laughs) Sharon went to ninth grade this year I said beware the girl who tells you they like your shoes I remember that moment she said she liked my shoes. That was in ninth grade. Jody and I didn't start dating until our senior year. So it was all those years later. And, uh, uh, but all that time, I, I remember thinking, man, she's a pretty fine-looking gal. And I remember one time driving to Kentucky. And I'm driving to Kentucky to go watch the Kentucky Wildcats play the Syracuse Orange, Orangemen. And uh, I'm going to this basketball game with my uncle. And all the while, I'm sitting in the back seat as my aunt and my uncle up front. My sister's in the back seat, and I'm just showing my sister all the senior pictures of Jody. Look at this picture. Look what she wrote on, it consumed me. Can I tell you, don't ever let your marriage get to a place where it used to consume you. Now, don't let your marriage become your God because there's only one. But allow that to intensify and become even more. That it becomes the thoughts of, of, of our lives. But whatever it is that you pursue becomes who you are. There's some of you out here, I know you. And the first thing when I see you, I'm not judging anybody. But I recognize you according to what your passions are. Some of you, I know your passions are. I know your, your passions are in these types of areas or these things, and you become known by the things you're passionate about. Isn't that true? You know people by what they pursue. You know people by, by how they are. Love identifies our purpose. 
But unfortunately, sometimes for some people, their love remains only surface and it never reaches a deeper level. Their love remains surface. There is a danger if we love our cars more than we love our family. There's a danger if we love our family more than we love God. That the love doesn't compare and there's some people that they're so surfaced. And can I just say, guys, we gotta buck the system around us that says guys aren't able to have deep, meaningful conversations, that guys aren't able to, to, to be deep in their, in their love and their relationship and, and able to express. Whoever started that was a lazy man, and it's easy to sell lazy products. It's easy to sell lazy products. We all want the hurry up in 15 minutes. You can have this, you know, your, or, uh, one minute in the microwave. You have that hot potato. You can put it in there. Be little effort, little work. And we unfortunately treat our relationships that way. We want relationships that don't take much. Well, then you're not looking for much of a relationship because relationships work because people work at them. And it's not a pursuit of perfection. It's a pursuit of health. And that health is always determined from where it starts. If you start healthy, you'll end healthy. If you keep a healthy process, if you keep grounded in good soil, and can I tell you what the health is? The health is whenever our love is established in Jesus Christ. That, that love that we have that we can carry. Some people have a surface love, and the surface love never goes any further than what they like, dislike, or what they think. And unfortunately, they become the standard of love. I love everything that goes the way I want it to go. I become the standard. But there's a love that is higher that Christ calls us to, and his love is not where we are the standard. His love is where he is the standard. And his standard, much different than ours, we love to a higher purpose. We love to a higher goal, a higher reason. John 14, or John, 1 John 4.10 says this, this is real love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let me ask you, whose love or whose view do you have on love today? Do you have the world view or do you have God's view? Do you have the world view on what love is? Because here it is, the answer to that question is determined by the source of where our love comes from. If we love according to our standards, meaning that we love to how we feel, to what we think, to everything going our way, then that's the essence of our love, then that's a man-made standard. But when we love in God's perspective, we realize that he says this is real love. And real love is this, not that you love God. I mean, think about that right now. Can I just, let me just translate that for us, husbands. I know this isn't marriage. I realize it's all, it's across the board. But here's what it would say to us. This is real love for your wife. Not that she loves you, but that you love her enough to give your very best. Hmm. And Jesus, or John is saying, this is real love. Not that you love God. The real love that he has for you is not because of what you did because you could never earn the love he has for you. That's a love that is a whole nother level and if you're in this place and you'll be honest, would you just raise your right hand and say, oh God, help me reach a new level of love. All right, all 10 of us, all right. The rest of you, you've got this down. I know when you leave here, when you leave here, you're going back to your cloudy home and everything's all, wee, you just float on clouds and, and you all just play harps to one another. You wake up in the morning and, and you just tiptoe across the, the bedroom to your wife and she strums a chord on the harp and you kiss each other and it's just... She picks out what tunic you should wear, and you're just, just, but the rest of us, we're saying, God, help us reach a new level of love. Help us to learn love. Help us to reach new, new points of that love in our relationship for one another. Let me tell you, that love, that love translating, yes, to our, our spouses, but how about that love for the neighbor? How about the love for the coworker? How about the love for the person across, uh, across the hall in, the, in an apartment or across the seat in the classroom, in the person, whatever role, whatever place it is, God, help us to reach a new level of love. There are many truths. There's many loves, but there's only one truth. And there's only one true love. And that comes from Jesus Christ, the source. We've got to ask ourselves what view it is that we have. Do we have the world view or God's view on what love is? So number one, love, love is, identifies our purpose. Number two, 
Love introduces the person. That person and what love is, love is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. That is the essence of what love is all about. When I, when I understand the love that God has for me, here's what verse 8 says. Verse 8 says this, that God is love. Love is more than a preference. It's more than a satisfaction. It is the person of Jesus Christ. It is who he is. He is the essence of love. Of course, as we know, Jesus being the son of God, he came from God. So the Bible's saying in 1 John 4 here that God is love. 1 John 4, 5, and 6 says this. Those people, the people of the Antichrist, they belong to this world, so they speak from the world's point of view, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. That is how we know the act that they carry out. This is how we know if they love according to the world's view of love or they love according to God's view of love. We know according to the way they act. Let me put it simply this way. The world speaks and the world listens. God speaks and his children listen. Who are we listening to? Whose message of love are we hearing? And even even more important, whose message of love are we practicing? Can I tell you, I am the ultra critical individual. I understand that. My kids will have conversations sometimes and they'll say, Dad, you make everything spiritual. To which I smile and say, because everything is spiritual. It all comes down to that. I go into places and it just happened at Denny's just this week and I'm cashing out at Denny's paying for the ticket and while I'm at Denny's there's this song that's on and Denny's of course they got older music there and and you know it's not it's a it's a song that I'm not real familiar with may have heard it before but it's talking about this woman who who's sad that this guy doesn't love her but she has hope somewhere else and someone else is going to love her and I said to the lady as I'm cashing out I said I said isn't it sad that this woman who doesn't know what love is and can't find it anywhere is polluting our minds to make us think we don't know how to find it either I said That's pretty messed up. I gave her a good tip. More than just my words. I gave her money too, but. (laughs) I was in Aeropostale one time. We were at the shopping and getting ready to check out. And I said to the lady, I said, you do realize the average age of the people that are shopping in here. And that's the music you're going to play for the average age of the kids shopping in here? Can I tell you, teenagers, I know it might sound cool. It might make your head bob. It might be catchy. It might be all that stuff. But if it is not in God's word, be careful what you put in your spirit because you're building on ice that has holes in it. You're building on ice that's going to fall in. (laughs) Establish yourself in the word of God. And I know, I'm okay with it. I'm an old fogey when it comes to some of that stuff. Because I believe that we don't need to, to reinterpret or re, remake what love is, but allow who Christ is, that love, to be the essence of everything else. Can I tell you, I have no regrets for waiting on my wedding night to be with my wife. I have no regrets for honoring God with my life. That's not to say anybody who didn't isn't, isn't, has no hope. No, it's to say this. I stand before you as a testimony to say that in Jesus Christ, he makes all things possible and worthwhile and worth doing what the Bible says. If you want God's blessing, follow God's book. If you want God's blessing in your marriage, do it God's way. If you want God to bless you abundantly and beyond, do it God's way. You might be here today and you say, well, that's too late for that. No, it's not. It's not. You say it's too late to honor God. No, it's not. Today is the day of salvation. Here's what I love about God, that God is able to make all things new. He makes new in our lives. Don't live in the regret of what has been, but allow God to make new in your life the purpose that he has for you. Allow God his ways, his purpose. I say this over and over again as I do premarital counseling one of the reasons I, I, there's times, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to say this because somebody would be like, oh, he's, I'll say it. Weddings aren't my favorite thing. I didn't become a minister to do weddings. I'd much rather preach than do weddings. And some of you are like, oh, I was going to ask him to, that's okay, I'll still do it. I'll still do it. <laughs> but can I tell you, there are some mother-in-laws that are at weddings <sighs> I can handle the bride. It's the mother of the bride that's having. That's a whole other story. 
But I, one of the things that I look at that and I say, why am I doing weddings? Not because, well, I'm the pastor and I get the sign reverend and, you know, it's a, makes it official they can get married. No, why do I do that? Because I believe in my heart, God, you called us to change Fayette County. And one of the bases of changing Fayette County is building strong homes. And so let me be a pastor, a lighthouse to take families in and say, this is the way to build your home. This is how God says to do it. And so I'll give that investment because I believe as we build healthy homes, as we build healthy relationships, we can see life change because of lives that are affected. You can give way to something that is much more when you plant it on something healthy than to try and change it because you produce something out of, out of the ground that was shaky and crumbling. Thank God that he can come years down the road and rescue. We have such a God. But why carry the turmoil and the weight of getting to that point when he can start you off at the right place from the beginning? In our lives, this purpose of representing that life, this love is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He says those who belong, listen is to put, when, we, when you listen to God's word, you put it into action. Can I tell you, if you listen to the music that says, Go ahead, have this experience. I don't even know all the stuff that's out there with the lyrics and stuff. I try to keep some understanding of culture. But there's certain culture that's got so far out there, say, God, we don't even need to know what it is because we just know it's on the other side of the fence that's not doing anything healthy or anything good. Why is it that we can make more out of a man who lives his life ungodly, dies of heroin, and build memorials, but scorn the man who wants to walk holy and humbly with his God. Teenager, don't fear the person who'll make fun of you for being a virgin. There's no fear of that. I remember being a teenager one time, and I was in, in the cafeteria, and I said it this way. I said, the difference between you and me is that I can easily become like you, but you can't become like me. One moment I can be like you, but because of your actions, only until you make your heart right with Christ, you can never come to where I am. Having that understand, knowing who we are in Christ knowing the purpose that he has for us, his love that is endearing, the love that he wants to cause us to experience, not just to experience, but to pass on. A love that he wants us to pass on. Here, 1 John 4, 7, 8, he says, let us continue to, the lo to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Here's what he says, continue in the love because God is love. We started out with that. Listen, continue in the love. What he's saying is, don't keep loving the way you were. He says, continue in the love that comes from God. Love doesn't start with you. I know you're the best romantic, the, the most romantic person your wife ever met, but you didn't invent love. I know you can write great poems and bring home the best flowers and, and win her heart, but you didn't invent love. Love comes from God. And he says continue in the love that comes from God. We've got to continue in the love that comes from God. Because when we do, when we continue in that love, it says that we know God. The scripture we read, read in 1 Corinthians says that when you love, it says that God knows you. So when we walk in love, it's on both sides. I know God, God knows me. When you get to heaven... And let me just ask you this today, this morning. Do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know God? But there's a more important question than that. Does God know you? You might say, I know God. I know, I know the stuff about him, but does he know you? Because Jesus said to his disciples, said, be those on that day that'll come to me. And they'll say, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so that love that we allow to operate in us allows us to know God, but more importantly, Him to know us. If there's a line of communication that causes us to know one another, communication is by how we speak, of course we talk, but God invented the language of love. And when you allow His love to flow through you, 
you begin to speak a language that the world is dying to learn. Can I encourage us to make sure we speak the language that the world is dying to hear rather than just speaking the language they're dying from? The, their own language, the language that's depleting, that's taking away from. But the language of knowing God to continue means to finish in the process, to complete what you started, to grow in what was planted, not to fall out of love. And by the way, for those who would think that you can fall in love, it's not true. You became attracted. There was something that caught your attention, and it was a desire that you began, and immediately in that moment, you did not fall in love. You fell into commitment. Which means then, you don't fall out of love. You fall out of commitment. There's no such thing as falling in love. You fall into commitment. And there's no such thing as falling out of love. You fall out of commitment. And so the importance there is recognizing that we have that committed, that we're committed, that we're continuing this love, continuing this process. Love introduces the person. Let me give you this last one. Love imitates the power when you continue, or what you continue in says whose love you're in, meaning what you continue to do proves the love that you have. How you continue to act says whether or not the love of Christ is in you or the love of the world is in you. Your commitments, if you continue in your commitments, you are more likely operating in the love of Christ, the love of God. But here's the difference. Much of our love has not become a love that is healthy Here's why we don't have commitment. Because much of our love has become a controlling love and not a compelling love. A controlling love and not a compelling love. Here's, here's the, the difference real quick. That here's what we do sometimes. We love to the point of everything going our way. The moment we learn something that doesn't go the way we like, we withhold or restrain our love. You ever done that? I learned this about so-and-so, I learned this about, and now there's a restraint that comes on. And so because I'm restraining, I'm now taking control. The word control means to hold back. Men, don't ever hold back your love for your wife. Wives, don't ever hold back your love for your husband. Because by holding back, what you're saying is, I'm going to try and control so I can get an outcome that I want. It's been said this way, I know I should, but I will when they, that's controlling. I would say the word she needs to hear, but not until she does what I want done. I will do what ought to be done, but not until we forget that love is not a payment, it's an investment. When I love somebody, I'm not making a payment. When I make a payment for something, that means I need to replace it later because that will run out. But when I make an investment, it only increases and gains. You love not for what you're going to get back. You love because that's what you committed to do. You love beyond your knowledge. You love beyond what makes sense sometimes. The Bible says it this way, that if you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, that's sin. Let me just break it down, men. I'm not picking on us. I'm not picking on us, but I'll tell you honestly, we are, we are the priests of the home. We are the leaders of the home. Thank God for godly women. Women, have, there's, a, there's a role, absolutely comes together. But we've let too much up to the women when the men should have been protecting and leading and being. We've made room to say, hey, we got to have the women do it because somewhere along the line, someone sold us a lazy philosophy of life. And we bought it because that's what we do. We want the easy way. But the investment of this is going to take time. I've got to invest. I'm going to have to keep giving, keep loving. Controlling love. Chuck, can you stand up? I've always wanted to push you around. I'm just kidding. That's not true. Here's controlling love. Controlling love does this. Controlling love tries to control and push and manipulate. And by the way, control, when we manipulate, the Bible says that manipula manipulation is like witchcraft. So when we withhold 
And here's what we're doing. We're holding on to and we're directing and we're making all of our decisions trying to move this person the way we want them to go. I'm holding my love until they do what I want them to do. And the moment they go the direction I want them to go, then. Does that make sense? But here's what compelling love says. Compelling love says, you're not under my control. I'm under the one who's controlling me. And because that love is flowing, you can't help but be compelled to follow. And it's not what I have to do to make you do it. It's what the love that comes from me that you become attracted to. You can be sit down there. I don't want you, yeah, I don't want you to hurt yourself. We can become a people that push. Let me ask you this morning, is your love controlling love or compelling love? Is your love controlling to where you're trying to get circumstances? If you've ever said, I know I should give my wife words of affirmation, but I'm not going to. Not to put much weight on you, but it will. Consider what you just said to God, the one who created her. Consider what you just did, because to know what you ought to do and not do it, the Bible says that is rebellion or sin against God. Now, I know some of us are like, oh, come on, it can't be that deeply connected to our walk with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. The Bible says in John 13, they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. I believe we ought to be good witnesses and, test- and, and testimony for the glory of the Lord. That doesn't mean let's get a, an evangelism team and knock on every door. Hey, if God tells us to do it, let's do it. Or preach on the street corner. If God says do it, let's do it. But I tell you what God does say, build your homes up in such a way and love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Wife, submit yourself to, the, to your husband the way the Bible says to do, that he He's the head. Honor your father and your mother. Love one another. As the Bible says, that is the best testimony we can give this world. This love. Let me ask you with your heartbeat. Are you making the most of every, every moment? Are you loving with everything you have? Because there is a time that we won't have the opportunity. But when we love beyond our knowledge. I want, to, want you to take a look at this video as we uh, prepare to close this morning. The heart. It's a funny thing. Yeah, it's one, two, three, four chambers that pump blood through the body, but it does so much more. It pines. It sinks. It soars. Bands have heart. Stories tug at it games send it racing Sweet. and each day is a chance to give every beat a meaning the heart wants a kiss to send it fluttering and it wants it now it wants breakup songs red-eye movie nights and late night creme brulee and it wants heavy hearts heartbreak heart racers, heart bursters, and heart stoppers. Sometimes the heart loves hating. And sometimes the heart hates loving. But more than anything, the heart just wants to feel. There are about 2,500,000,000 heartbeats in a lifetime. You should feel every one of them. I believe it's God's desire for us to feel every heartbeat. But I want to propose to us today that it not be the heartbeat, Jan, as you begin to play, not the heartbeat that we have, but the heartbeat that God puts inside of us. Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He was preparing, or not preparing, but he was explaining the importance of communion, or we call communion, but the meal of the church the supper that they would have and Paul said these words he said but I received from the Lord what I pass on to you that the night Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he broke it I want you to think about that here's what Paul says Paul is saying I received from the Lord and now I'm passing it on to you that on the night Jesus was betrayed Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Now, how many realize 
that Jesus knew what was going to happen that night. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he would be beaten. He knew what was going to take place. He knew what was in front of him. And here's what it was. He knew what was going to happen. And he loved beyond his knowledge. He knew what was going to happen. But he didn't love according to his knowledge. He allowed the recognition. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. See, he loved us so much that he loved beyond what he knew. Paul says this, I receive from the Lord and I pass it on to you. This is the picture I have this morning. That if I'm going to really love the way God wants me to love, I cannot love by producing it in me. I have to love by receiving it from God and now passing it on to you. Does that make sense this morning? I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you. That on the night Jesus was betrayed. Here's Joseph in the Old Testament. He was, he was abandoned. He was lied about. And he was forgotten in the prison. And here's Joseph who had every reason to restrain. Oh, they're the brothers that, they're the ones that, and he could have built his whole wall. Can I tell you? Sometimes our emotional issues, yes, they're connected to what's done in the past, but they're sometimes deeper because instead of allowing God to heal our past, we hold on and we make that our protection. We sometimes, I would say, we're sometimes protected more in our hurt than we are allowing God to protect us in our healing. We allow the hurt to build walls up and defenses. But God wants to allow healing. Here's what, da- here's what it said of Joseph in the Old Testament. That he allowed his branch to reach over the walls. The walls of the walls of being abandoned, the walls of being lied against, the walls of being forgotten. He could have let those walls be established, but he said his branch reached over the walls. You know what he said? Knowledge will puff me up, but love builds up. I can't love according, just I can't love to what I know. I've got to allow love to go greater than what I know. Even though I know this, I've got to allow love to go higher. Can I just tell you today, church, that love only comes from God. I can't produce that love for my wife or for my children, for this church or for anyone. That can't come from anybody but God. So like Paul said, what I receive from the Lord, I now pass on to you. Would you stand with me today? You say to the Lord today, you say, today I need to allow that love to go higher than my understanding I've got to allow love. Some of us, you're here today, and you've got restraints on your love. You're saying, I would love if, and whatever you put the if to, you've limited God. But here today, you say, God, I don't want controlling love. I want compelling love. If that's you this morning, you say, I need God's grace, God's help. Would you just raise your hand with me if that's you? You say, I need, I need compelling love. God, help me to love with a love that compels and not controls. With a love that compels. So, Father, this morning, thank you for the love that comes from you. And, God, I pray that you would help us to receive that love so that we might pass it on to those around us. Father, today, flood our hearts so that, God, your love would overflow into people around us. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.